Welcome to the Stronger Than Your Boyfriend podcast. We are Heather and Katie, owners of Barpath Fitness, here to help you sift through the bullshit and toxic misinformation that permeates the fitness industry. Today, we have a Q&A podcast. Yeah, so usually we do three questions, at least that's the format for now. So if you want to ask us questions, we get most of them in our Stronger Than Your Boyfriend Facebook group, sometimes uh, the other social meds like Instagram, not really TikTok, (laughs) email, whatever you want to do. So hit us up. Yeah. Okay. All right. Question number one. What are the benefits of the seated adduction abduction machine? Um, Okay. Not much. Um, okay, let me not completely shit on it. Um, if you're trying to build muscle and strength and this machine is a staple in your programming, let's rethink your programming. You need to be doing movements like squatting or squats, deadlifts, lunges, etc. Um, and it shouldn't your basically your programming should not be centered around machines. It should be centered around these main compound movements. Um you know, this machine it can have some benefit if you're utilizing it in your warm up, like to prime the glutes for squats and deadlifts. Like if you have a really hard time connecting to, to the glutes um, or any like other those smaller muscles around the hips um, and you want to really get it nice and warm, you can maybe do a couple sets of the abduction and adduction on the machine. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess if you're also dealing with an injury, this can um, help you get a stimulus to the glutes. Um, if you maybe you have a lower back injury and you want to work your glutes, this could be a good stimulus um, to do that or a good way to do that. But um, I don't know. Do you want to like ex- explain what the machine is first? Oh, I yes. guess too. Uh, yeah. So it's the one where there's pads and you sit down and you put the pads either on your inner thighs or your outer thighs and you're either pushing in or out. Yeah. So I think there's benefit to this machine. Um, I use it sometimes, but I don't fit in it well. Um, however, it can be used as an accessory to grow the glutes. It yeah. can also be used a little bit if you have weak, weak adductors and you want to throw it in there again as an accessory. Um, like Katie said, I wouldn't make it your main lift, but it's just another form of adduction or abduction. The problem is people like me who are about five feet tall, <laughs> slightly over five feet, um, it's, it's really hard to fit in. And so um, I have seen actually people use, um, oh, what are they called? There's like these squishy pads that you can put between your leg and the pad to yeah. make them fit better but in reality i would probably just say maybe you should use a different method yeah (laughs) i just feel like it's unnecessary because first and foremost most of the machines that you see in the gym are they're created off of an average and that average is like a five foot ten male right so yeah you're not going to fit in it correctly probably um, if you're a smaller woman especially but also like if you have to go through all the trouble to get like a pad to sit in it why don't we do something more effective and i think there's way more effective movements you can do to actually isolate the the adductors and the abductors versus this machine i just feel like you can uh do some more movements in space like kind of like freeway to to work these and you're getting a lot of work in those areas when you're doing things like squats and deadlifts but i understand like wanting to directly hit that as more of like an accessory type movement but i just feel like there are better accessory movements like why don't we just do some lunges or some horse stance squats everyone loves those all my clients do at least um or some like lying adduction lifts or you're lying on the floor maybe you're squeezing a medicine ball in between your legs i think that's a really good stimulus like i don't know when i did just feel like there are better ways but maybe again i don't want to completely shit on it i use it yeah i'm not (laughs) occasionally again okay i'm not shitting on it i really do think that injury if you are dealing with an injury this this is the best time to use this machine and other machines so if you do want to get some of that stimulus to the glutes or whatever area that that um you need to hit so okay cool all right second question why should women work their chest muscles um (laughs) 
because why would you not? They're a muscle. Um, and any muscle you, you neglect to train will only cause injury and imbalances. As women, I feel like we think, okay, we shouldn't train them since we have breast tissue, tissue there. Um, but we still have pec muscles, which are important for flexing, extending, and rotating the humerus, right? So basically what that means is that your pec muscles help to move the arm across the body as well as up and down, okay? So your chest muscles are some of the largest muscles on your trunk, okay? Basically the pec muscles dictate what your arms do. So it's pretty important that they're getting trained as well. So um, like I said, you can really cause a big imbalance if you're neglect neglecting training in the pecs. So. Yeah, I like pressing. It's my yeah. favorite. I would rather press than pull any day. I know I need to pull more, but yeah. I particularly love benching and pressing and that's because I'm stronger at it. But. Yeah. And also like another benefit of training the chest is that you're likely going to utilize more compound movements like the bench press, which will send a bigger stimulus to your CNS, which will help you build more, build muscle, more muscle overall in your upper body. Um, it can also improve your posture. I know we, we really um, tend to focus on pulling, which is obviously super important. But if you're not training the other other side of your trunk, um, you're gonna you're not gonna have that the the strength to sit up with good posture, right? Because both components play into good posture. So strong pec mu muscles will actually will help you sit up taller or stand more upright, right? So if you're able to sit up with better posture, you're kind of indirectly strengthening your upper back muscles as well because they're engaged so it's just really important you don't want to create any imbalances right so, yes um, i particularly love the big puck pec muscle look yeah on women i think it looks great on everyone i think it's just a great look, i think it's but. cool yeah women shy away from it because it's like i feel like they think it'll look weird if they have like pecs and then breasts as well and it's like no it tends to it's not just like okay here's a big pec muscle and then like a bre breast tissue right under it under it like that's not how it works it's like okay you're gonna get bigger muscles there but usually what tends to happen is that the breast tissue will i don't say will shrink i mean if you get leaner it definitely will shrink yeah. just because you have less it's body fat, fat yeah. because it is fat but they'll look a little more perky right? yeah because you can yeah yeah so i can assist with that i guess that depends you want but some people don't want that so they it don't want perkier depends. breasts well sometimes really sometimes people don't want breasts well, yeah. I mean, if I could get rid of them. Exactly. I'm, gonna, I'm looking but at I'm you. Saying, but I'm saying like I would rather them be more upright and perky and smaller. Yes, right, but that's just smaller. me personally. Yeah. Um, but anywho. Overall, no matter what your aesthetic goals, it's important to train all of the yeah. muscles. So. Especially if, like think about it in st when it comes to staying injury free. Like you need to be doing it. And that's the most important thing. So. Yes. Okay. Number three. All right. I'm going to ask this one because okay. Heather's going to take oh. over because it's okay. a powerlifting question. Ah. Surprise, surprise. All right. Question three. What should my training look like if I want to compete in powerlifting? Okay. Like everything, it depends. Uh, so with powerlifting, competitive powerlifting, obviously specificity is key. So you're going to want plenty of squat, bench, and deadlift. Duh. But you're also going to want supporting accessories to build your weak points. So are you weaker at the bottom portion of your bench? Maybe you're going to focus on spot press, long pauses, maybe even isometric pressing at the bottom. Can you, what is a spot press? I don't even think I know what I that is. I have to tell all of these exercises. Okay. Well, I just, this I don't know what it is. a explanation. So, okay. Uh, spot press is, um, we have videos. You can just go to our YouTube channel. Okay. But basically it's a bench press where you lower the bar and it's not quite touching your chest. It's okay. just above it. 
And so you're focusing um, on pausing there for a second in kind of the weakest part of your bench press. A lot of times, if you're weak at the bottom, that's where you're weak. Um, and then pressing up. So that's kind of what a spot out press is. Got it. Okay. Continue. Long pauses or when you pause, isometric pressing. I'm not going to explain how to you set don't... it up. It's complicated, but you get in a rack and press against some bars. But um, so anyway, are you weaker at the bottom portion? Maybe some of those are your options. If you're weaker at the top portion or lockout, maybe you're going to program in more tricep work, pin presses, close grip, variable resistance like chains that get harder as you get closer to the top of the press. Um, so you're accessories are going to change. Um, how's your drive out of the hole on your squats? Is your sticking point midway up? Um, various variations will be used in your program. Various variations. That seems redundant. Various, <laughs> various variations <laughs> to help overcome your weaknesses and drive through those plateaus. So as you can see, everything depends. Um, and additionally, you're going to have off-season programming most of the year, right? And then some on-season programming when you're competing. So that's usually about 12 weeks out from your meet is what we call meat prep, though it varies for some people. But I like to think of it as around 12 weeks. So, okay, with the off-season programming, I feel like we should expand on that a little bit. Most of the time, you're not... I feel like when people think of powerlifting, they're like, okay, we're going to just train like one to three reps. And that's not the case. Uh, so yeah. like your off-season programming, okay, yeah. that's going to be a higher volume. You're just putting in the reps pretty much. Like you're trying to perfect the lifts. Mm -hmm. You're putting in the reps, getting a lot of volume in. Working so on your weak points at this time. Exactly. Too. Yeah. So... I know like uh, when we both competed in powerlifting, a lot of people that we've coached, like yada, yada, um, we've, there, there are many months of higher reps, like eight, eight rep, you know, months, 10 rep months, yeah. like six to eight, whatever. For so some people, yeah, it just depends. Yeah. So I just want to make that clear for people because I feel like yes. most people are like powerlifting, yeah, five, right. 10 sets of one. <laughs> what you see on Instagram is singles and doubles, right? right. Yeah. PRs and maybe triples here and there. But what you don't see is that people are doing hypertrophy work. Like it's important to build muscle in your off season in order to get stronger. Yeah. And then on season, like when you're prepping for the competition, that's when you can start building the intensity, which means dropping the reps down because the loads are going to be higher. But there's still a finesse to it. Like you're not just training heavy for 12 weeks leading up to your competition. Like there's deloads right. to factor in. There's, you know, maybe even the first month of your your 12 week prep is like a little bit higher rep still or maybe, you know, in the five range or whatever. It's not just like, all right, we're going we're maxing out right. every every uh, month or every week until we get to the competition. Yeah, typically people use like linear periodization as they get closer to the meet. You know, they, they end up doing like less reps and more intensity and then you're trying to like get, you know, uh, higher, higher, re or excuse me, higher weight lifts out of that as you get closer. But your volume intensity is going to be dictated by a ton of different variables, right? So your stress, your sleep, your nutrition, your body size, your training experience and more. Um, so you may even focus like some blocks in your off season on specific lifts. So um, it, it is really hard to get stronger at squat, bench, and deadlift at the same time, believe it or not. Yes. So a lot of times what happens is you're always going to train all three to some extent. If you're powerlifting, you're going to have that specificity in your training. But you might take like an eight-week block um, of your off-season to really focus on deadlifts, right? So because deadlifts are such a fatigue-causing exercise, you might, during that eight weeks, back down a bit on your squats. You're going to do less volume. You're perhaps going to even high bar squats. So you won't even do competition squats at all. You may not even, you may even do like split squats, right? Something to reduce the fatigue in your back um, because we know low bar squatting really can, can fatigue the back a lot. And when you're doing more deadlifts or you're focusing more on deadlifts, that's, you know, those are competing goals. So that's kind of an example, but it's all going to depend on um, what you're doing for your meet and, and what your weaknesses are. And it should be completely individualized, right? 
So like for me, um, I liked four days a week of training. It worked well. A fifth day would be maybe like more mobility focused if I could. Um, I'm smaller. So ideally I could do two squat days, three bench days, and one deadlift day in order to hit the frequency I would probably like be best at for each lift. But there was a time in my training where I was working out for two hours every time it worked out. So, you know, I might do more volume on another day and not need as much frequency. It all depends on you. Um, and if you're not hitting a main lift, you may potentially be hitting a variation of it. So uh, just remember there's specificity. And um, what's also important is managing your fatigue. Um, so we have a ton of blogs on this. In fact, I'm going to give you five articles <laughs> for you to check out in the show notes. Um, yeah, it's a lot of articles, but none of them are long. Um, and they're also going to help you if you're considering competing or you just started competing or something. So yeah, the, honestly, your best bet if you're thinking about competing in powerlifting is to hire a coach who knows what they're doing, because they're going to be able to objectively look at you and your programming and build up where build up your weaknesses and help you pick out what variations are best for you. And at one, whatever points they want to focus on the squat or the, the bench press or the deadlift, like there's so many variables that go into it. And I know like it probably sounds overwhelming if you are trying to do it yourself, but I think I want to like briefly touch on like the RPE versus percentage yeah. based programming, yeah. because I know there are a lot of programs out there that use your percentage. So what that means is just taking your training based off of, per, of a percentage of your one rep max. So you kind of have to, well, you have to know it, or you can have a really good guess of what that is. So I guess if you've competed before, you can just use those numbers. But I feel like if, it's especially hard for women because at certain points in our cycle, we might not be able to hit those numbers because training at a percentage, you have to hit a specific number versus RPE, which is rate of perceived exertion. You're going off of how you feel. And I think right. that's a better choice for women specifically. I think you can try to throw in a percentage based phase or mesocycle mm -hmm. of training, but I think the majority of the time you have, you know, your reps and your volume that you're trying to hit, but it's more, okay, what is our RPE goal for the day? And that way you can kind of just keep track of that as you go. So, yeah, it's really hard at first to understand how how to use RPE if you're doing it on your own, which is why a coach is really helpful because they can literally watch you lift yeah, and you can tell them what you think it is and they can say, well, here's how it looked and how it moved. And then you get better and better at judging what that really looks like. And I use a, a mix when I'm coaching people of percentages and RPE together. So I combine the two and, and it depends on where they are in their, in their training. Yeah. And that's, a, I even use this for my clients who don't compete in powerlifting and I don't ask them to give me an RPE every single time that they do a lift, but I can ask them, okay, how hard was that for you? Maybe I'll give them like a scale of one to 10 and they'll say, okay, it, it was an eight, but I'm watching it. And I'm like, this looks like a five and I know you can do more. So that's why it's, <laughs> I think they like most of my clients like having me do that because it gets them to push themselves and I can see it. Like I can just, mm -hmm. I've been doing this for so long. I can analyze someone's form and technique and the faces that they make. <laughs> like you can't <laughs> get around those. And I can usually tell like, okay, we need to go up or, you know, less frequently. Okay. We need to take the, you know, drop the weight back of it. So mm -hmm. there's just that finesse with the coaching um, aspect or having someone have eyes on you as you're doing the lift. So yeah, and the most like, um, I guess, science, not scientific, but specific way to use RPE yeah. is using reps and reserve, right? So like an RPE eight would be two reps and reserve. So you could have done two more reps. Yeah. And so sometimes I'll program and say, just do an RPE eight, make sure you have two reps in the tank. Yeah. Um, so that's a way to use RPE as well. And while RPE is not like, if you think about it, percentages are going to be more like scientifically, like well, it's make more, more objective, sense, right? It's more, yeah, objective. 
However, yeah, because RPE is like perceived. Yeah, it's right? subjective. But... but RPE is a form of what's called auto-regulation. And so it's basically you being able to auto-regulate or like take how you feel and how much rest you got and all these other factors into the equation, which we think is super important. Yeah, I just uh, there is a time and place for the percentage based training. It's just it's really hard when you have these number goals and you don't hit them and you get just you just get so oh, discouraged yes. and that's why i don't like it as much but you know it, after you saying that there is a there is a benefit to having a number that you mm-hmm. have to hit but you know again like if you're a woman like you have a, a cycle and maybe it's like the week before and you're just not feeling as strong and you can't hit 85 percent of your max for three or whatever so yeah. it's just take a lot of things into account but i think having a coach will kind of help you like even if you are doing you know that type of programming and you didn't hit the numbers they can like talk talk to you talk with you through it and like okay what can we do next time at this phase in your cycle which they should be keeping track of if you are a woman and trying to compete also your coach uh will be able to help you set your goals right so having a coach is like the best thing you can do because you'll you'll understand the commands you'll understand the jumps you should take at a meet like you're not going to take like a 50 pound jump (laughs) typically especially if you're a smaller person i mean you mind if you're a bigger person but you they'll calculate those things for you and the expectations you should actually have versus what you think you should be able to achieve because yeah. honestly like the prs and powerlifting are really impressive when you're in the audience but if you know yourself and you're training like maybe you did 103 percent. like it's not you know that three yeah. percent it's not that much more yeah. than people is what people think yeah and it's like people will like post their prs on instagram and it's like you know you might do that too but what if it's the two weeks before your meet like you probably aren't going to hit a pr no. at your meet like you've right. overcompensated or super compensated too yeah. early whatever yeah, super it is <laughs> super <godsend. laughs> so yeah there's just a finesse to it but you you learn as you go like it's not going to be perfect even with a coach um but the more that you have time uh, with your coach the more they'll be able to learn you and the 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 tighter the the programming and the numbers will be so yeah so those resources i mentioned um a couple of them are not necessarily related to powerlifting but they're more related to um just training in general so um one of them is how to progressively overload which you've heard us talk about before another one is recovery overtraining and undertraining and it's kind of like that balance between fatigue and work Um, And then the other three are powerlifting related. So we have one on powerlifting 101, everything you need to know, setting goals for your first meet and the most important accessories that we like for powerlifting. I think the most important one, if you are, if you sign up for a competition or you're really thinking about it is the goals for your first powerlifting meet. Like I think people have a little bit too high of expectations going into that. So definitely give that one a read for sure. So for sure. All right. Awesome. Well, as we said in the beginning, if you have questions, please send them to us in any form that we mentioned on the social media. Oh my God. Or yes, email. That. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, we'll dog's crying outside the door. We should yes. go get him. Yes, we will. Peace.